morning, everyone. Here we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Glad you're here today. It's good to share this time of fellowship and worship with each of you this week. Uh, it's always, always good to share this time with you. We welcome our guests, especially today. Uh, we're glad that you're here and hope that God will bless you in a very special way as we worship the Lord uh, together. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out. Give us whatever information you feel comfortable providing for us and then pass them down the row so others can do the same. If you could do that, we would uh, appreciate it. Go, also, go ahead and check in on your uh, your smartphone. Let everybody know you're here today. And uh, just a couple of announcements that we have uh, coming up. First of all, uh, on Saturday, we will be having a baby shower for Samantha. Hey, Samantha, how are you doing? <laughs> Great! Uh, she's, she's, we're going to be having a baby shower for Samantha and Cody on Saturday. And so please note of the time of that and uh, where you can get uh, uh, the gifts where she is registered. And uh, we'll be doing that on Saturday. And also coming up very quickly is uh, our annual Harvest Fest that we will have on Halloween night. Uh, so that will be um, October the 30th. Is that right? 30th. 31st. 31st. You know, I thought it was 31st, but I wrote down 30th here. So it's the 31st, Halloween night, and uh, we will be doing like we do every year. We'll be providing chili and hot dogs and cookies and cakes and, uh, and all sorts of goodies and games and contests and lots and lots of fun. I hope you've picked out your uh, Halloween costume and uh, and are ready to come and, and share that time together. So put that on your on your uh, calendar. We are also uh, uh, still looking for volunteers to help. Uh, and um, there's a sign up sheet on the bulletin board. I think that for for uh, servers, we need servers. We need people to help clean up. And we need need uh, cake donations and um, and we need financial uh, financial contributions as well to fray the expenses of everything. So if you can do any of those, or if you can do all of those, please see Lana or, or sign up on the sheet uh, back there on the bulletin board. Uh, also tonight, we'll be having our Children's and Youth Fellowship time at 5 o'clock, and so if you're a child or a youth or know some, then bring them on. We'll have, have fun this evening. Uh, it's good to share this time with you. It's good to be uh, the church, to be Community Baptist Church with you. Uh, It is always a blessing. So let us stand now and let us greet each other. Let us share the love of Christ with one another.
glad to have True Face with us today to share and worship. It's been a while since you've been here with us, and we're, we're so happy to have them. Thanks for joining us today. Let us bow and, and, worship and uh, offer praise and prayer to God. Oh God, sometimes we just don't understand Your ways because Your ways are so different from ours. For example, if we were God we would surely strut around like peacocks and exert our will over everyone around us. But you don't do that, do you? Even though you are God with all the influence and the status that the name implies, you still refuse to pull rank. You refuse to parade your power among us. Instead, you have chosen to step down into our experience and to live among us as one of us with all of the struggles and the suffering that goes along with being human. How weird that is to us. We so often are not content with our position in life, but are constantly striving for more. More money, more power, more position, more status, more influence, more things. But look at you. You adopted the role of slave, washing feet, serving people of no reputation or social standing, and giving of yourself completely. As incredible as it sounds, you are the God who serves. And we can respond in no other way than to give ourselves to you in praise. And so, God, when we put our own agendas ahead of yours and everyone else's, and when we hurt others in our effort to impose our will, take us off of the throne of our pride and release us into finding our worth, not in the things that we seek, not in the power that we seek, but in your love. Lord, have, have mercy on us. Show us the things that really matter and move us to seek your kingdom first and let everything else fall into place. For we pray this in the name of the servant Christ. Amen. Forgetting all 
Tenor singer is Kenny Leggett. We call him the Ton of Fun. And uh, <laughs> Mark Hobson again is our drummer today, but he's normally our keyboardist and vocalist. And uh, our bass player is Randy McCracken. Our rhythm guitar player is Daryl Garrett. And I'm Keith Buckman. I just live right around the corner here. And uh, I see a lot of familiar faces here, some of them that I know. I, was, I remember you guys. And uh, anyway, it's good to be here this morning, and uh, we hope that you're blessed by the music. Oftentimes, we sing songs to him, uh, songs about him, but either way, it's honoring him, and I think he looks down on us when we sing and we lift up. Uh, our Lord through song and so something that he inhabits from us the word says that that he inhabits the praises of his people and uh, so feel free to sing along on these songs I think the words are being projected oh I'm sorry there's a children's moment here I'm sorry I'm taking up some time here I've said enough Thank <laughs> you. 
Chris asked me this morning if I was going to talk about the coat of many colors, and I said, well, no, that wasn't my topic. That wasn't it. You know, the preacher's going to, he's going to talk about a kind of a big word today, and I thought maybe we'd just kind of see how we could look at it. He's going to talk about a word, ambition. Hmm. Well, I went to the dictionary, and it says, desire and determination to achieve success. Woo, that's still big, isn't it? Desire and determination. Well, you know, I'm going to call it get up and go. Now, is that like in the mornings when I try to get up out of bed and I think, oh, I haven't get up and go? You think that's it? No, I don't think so. A little bit. But what we want to do is look at our goals in life. And I was wondering if you all knew what maybe you might want to be when you grow up. What kind of, what kind of work would you like to do? What would you like to do? I want to do uh, trick riding on horses. Trick riding on horses. Okay. Good one. <laughs> a lot of ambition that'll take. No. Do you have any idea? I want to be a cop. A cop. There you go. How about you? A nurse. A nurse? A nurse? A marine biologist. I am so impressed. <laughs> Anybody else down that way? Do you have any idea? Well, I want to share one little thing on me. You know, we all can look back at some of our desires and ambitions. And people that know me, for a number of years, I always wanted to be a performer. I wanted to be able to sing and dance on stage. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you know, after high school choir and the sixth grade dance class at the YMCA with Miss Frida, I realized those talents were not there. I just, I, I couldn't do that as much as I wanted to. But is that failure? No, that's not failure. That's looking at yourself and saying, like, I can believe if you want to be a nurse, you can stand the sight of blood. Things like that. You've got to look at what it takes to make that profession, don't you? And the skills it takes, the study it takes, the like the education it takes. But you've got, and if you fail at the first try, what do you do? Try again. That's exactly right. And I think that's what I regrouped and decided to be a teacher. And that worked out fine for me, okay? Uh, but one thing we all can do, every one of us starting right now, you know what? We can have great ambition in serving Jesus. Every one of us sitting here can do for others, speak well to others, be kind to others. And what's that doing? That's serving Jesus. And when he speaks of ambition to serve, I think that's probably what he's going to teach, preach about. Because Jesus asked us to serve him. Correct? All right, we've got one little line here. Imagine with all your mind, that's your goal. Believe with all your heart, that's your desire. And achieve with all your might. And every one of you will be a success. Thank you.
with me. Father God, what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to come to you in prayer, Lord. For Lord, we know that you're a Lord that that not only hears prayers, Lord, but we know that you answer prayers. Lord, we just ask it ask that you would bless this offering, Lord. Bless our bless our bless our offering and your tithes, Lord. We just ask that you would be with us as they bring us the music today, Lord, and may this just touch someone's heart, Lord. We'll just give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Amen. And I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus.
today is Mark 10, 35 through 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to set one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. You are able to, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? But to set at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. In our message this song today, we're going to feature Kenny on this song. It's called Multiply. Ready?
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, True Face. It's great to have you back with us today. If you... You've noticed we've been kind of doing something different in our worship services, kind of looking at different uh, styles of, of worship and kind of going through a history of, of different types of, of worship. And so today we're glad to have True Face with us to lead us in our praise and, and worship uh, experience. Um, it, you know, in, in, in the backwoods of the Appalachian Mountains, you, you don't see a whole lot of hang gliders there, but... Old Zeke decided he was going to save up his money and buy one, and and so he gets one and goes up to the highest peak, and after hauling all of the equipment up to the top of the mountain, he he's ready to take off. And so off to the edge he runs, and into the wind he goes. And meanwhile, Ma and Pa Hicks are sitting on the porch swing, talking about the good old days, and Ma looks up... And she sees the biggest bird she's ever seen. And she said, look at the size of that bird, Paul. And Paul says, Ma, get my gun. (laughs) And so she runs into the house and brings out his shotgun and he takes careful aim and bang, bang, bang. And that monster-sized bird, it just keeps sailing over the trees. And Ma said, I think you missed him, Pa. And Pa said, yep, but at least he let go of old Zeke. (laughs) That must have been quite a surprise for old Zeke to, to end his glider flight like that. But you have to admire him, you know. You have to admire him because for at least that one day, he was flying high. Now, old Zeke was the exact opposite of a certain duck that I heard about. This duck could fly as high as he wanted to fly and travel hundreds of miles in glorious freedom over the landscape. But one day he landed in a barnyard. And he discovered that life was less exciting there, but it was also a lot easier. He didn't have to scramble around for food, and when the weather was bad, he could take take uh, shelter in the barn. And, and And the duck began to eat and to live with the tame ducks on the farm. And gradually, over time, he forgot how to fly. He became fat and lazy, and... But in the spring and the fall of the year, when the wild ducks began to fly over, overhead, something stirred within this wild duck, but he could no longer rise to join them. A poem about this duck ends with these words. He's a pretty good duck for the shape he's in, but he isn't the duck that he might have been. He was no longer flying high, was he? John Greenleaf Whittier wrote a pamphlet titled Maud Muller in which he wrote these words. Of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. Do you see the theme that ties all of these stories together? It is ambition. Two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, came to him to ask him a favor. They wanted to, to sit on his right and on his left when he came into his glory. In other words, they wanted to, to have the best seats in the house. They wanted the places of honor and prestige. But they wanted to be appointed to these places not because they earned them or not because they deserved them, but because they had influence with the boss. Sound familiar? Jesus said to James and John, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? In other words, are you willing to give your all as I am giving my all to see my kingdom established? And to their credit, they said, we are able. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup that I drink and the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant. Now, 
it's easy for us to, to criticize John and James for their ambition. Um, and in fact, when the other ten disciples heard about their request, they certainly made their feelings known about it. But, but I want you to notice that Jesus does not criticize them. He doesn't criticize them. He, it doesn't seem to bother them. It doesn't seem to bother Jesus that they were ambitious. That they wanted to fly a little higher than everybody else. Jesus knew that ambition could be a good thing. He he simply needed to refine what they were ambitious about. Now, before we go any further, we do need to clarify one thing. And that is that ambition can be destructive. A lot of people who are, are, who are driven by ambition end up destroying themselves. I, I saw a program on TV just, just a few nights ago about a group of Navy SEALs. And Navy SEALs, I think, I think it's probably built into their DNA that they are an ambitious lot. Um, and we wouldn't have it any other way. It, it, it takes a huge amount of ambition just for, just for a Navy SEAL to get through the training that, that's required, the rigorous training that they go through in order to become a Navy SEAL. About 75% of those who begin Navy SEAL training never make it through to the end. And once they have completed that training, they're on call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. They can be called up in any minute to go to some far-flung corner of the world to protect the interests of the United States from terrorism or attack. And so, as you can imagine, the life of a Navy SEAL is hard. It's hard on one's family. The program that I saw last week, in that program, the main character was separated from his wife, but trying to hold things together. He made every attempt to be there for his children and maintain a strong connection with them. But that was hard because he, was, he, was, he had to be away so much of the time. Well, in the program, the SEAL's wife, the children's mother, was suddenly killed in an automobile accident. And the SEAL's team all came together to support their brothers in arms during his time of loss. But then as they all gathered at the cemetery for his wife's funeral, all of a sudden, all of their phones began to buzz. They were being deployed again, including the one who had just lost his wife. And his teenage daughter just lost it. She just went crazy, thinking that her, do- her father was about to leave them at that time. That question hung in the air. Would his ambition cause him to leave his grieving children to fulfill his mission? Or would he stay behind? The fact is that ambition can sometimes make us or break us. James Dodson wrote a Dodson, not Dobson, uh, just to make that distinction there. He he wrote a book a while back. It's called Final Rounds, in which he tell, talks about the final months of his father's life. They were both avid golfers, and when his father was diagnosed with cancer, James took his dad to Scotland so that they could play golf together on some of the world's celebrated courses. And at one point, James's dad asked him about his marriage and his family, and James tried to evade the question because... He was so consumed with with his work that there there wasn't a whole lot of time left for anything else. So these were the words of a dying father to his son. He said, I wish I could slow you both down. He said, the danger of great ambition is that you'll work so hard you may someday wake up and find that the things that you really wanted were the things that you had all along. My friends, too many people have made that discovery too late in life. The things that they really wanted were the things that they had all along. Ambition can make you or break you. 
Misplaced ambition can cost you your family, your health, and sometimes even your faith in God. And Jesus knew that. But he also knew that ambition can be a gift from God. If we let God use our ambition in positive ways, it can make our world a better place. Think about how poor this world would be without those ambitious people who chose to fly higher than most of us are willing to fly. Stephen Hawking died last year at the age of 76. He was born on January the 8th, 1942, exactly 300 years to the day after the death of Galileo, his hero. And what an amazing life he lived. He was one of the world's best known and, and most productive scientists. And he was, he was the one who pioneered the science of black holes. And he brought science to everyday people through his best-selling book, A Brief History of Time. He accomplished more than almost any scientist of his time. And the amazing thing about it is, is that he did all of this while suffering from ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. ALS is a rare disease that attacks the, the nervous system and, the, and muscles. And Hawking was confined to a wheelchair for most of his life. It eventually robbed him of his ability to speak. And so he was forced to communicate through a, a speech-generating device. At first, he was able to use his hands to, to operate uh, this device with kind of a, a mouse type of a, a, a situation there. But eventually, he lost the ability to use his hands. And eventually, the only way that he can operate this, this device was by using a single muscle in his cheek. Hawking was one of the world's longest survivors of ALS. He was an astounding man. So what was it that drove him? We don't know. But we do know this. The world would be much poorer without Stephen Hawking. Without his drive and ambition. Our world would be a different place. Jesus knew that drive and ambition are God-given traits bestowed upon human beings for the betterment of humankind. And without those people who are motivated to extend themselves beyond the ordinary, there would be no great accomplishments in the world. There was an old Apple computer com commercial from the 1990s that went viral on, on the day in 2011 when the founder of Apple, Steve Jobs, died. As a matter of fact, we're going to play this, this uh, commercial after the worship service uh, if you want to watch it. The tagline of the commercial is, Think Different. A phrase that is grammatically incorrect, with apologies to our English teachers, but I think that's a part of the, the point. Because you see, in the commercial, they, they show a collage of photographs and, and film clips of people who have invented and inspired and created and sacrificed to improve the world and to make a difference. They showed Bob Dylan and Amelia Earhart and Frank Lloyd Wright and Maria Callas, Muhammad Ali, Martin Luther King Jr., Jim Henson, Albert Einstein, Pablo Picasso and Mahatma Gandhi, and on and on and on it went. And as the images rolled by, there's a voice that, 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 that reads over these words. Here's to the crazy ones, it says. To the, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. And they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, you can disagree with them, glorify or vilify them about the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. While some may see them as crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world... 
They are usually the ones who do. Now, why is that important to us? You may be asking. You are asking that, right? Sure. Well, here it is. Changing the world is what following Jesus is all about. Changing the world is what following Jesus is all about. Now, obviously, James and John were ambitious for the wrong things. They wanted positions of power and prestige. But Jesus, Jesus wanted them to be servants of the Word and of the world. At least he wouldn't have to spend much time trying to motivate them. He, they were already motivated. He, he knew that they had that, that inner drive within them that would cause them to seek after great things. All he needed to de- do was to tweak them a little bit. He needed to point them in the right direction. And if you're going to change the world, you have to have a large measure of drive and motivation. Anthropologist Margaret Mead once said that that we should never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed individuals can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And that's the truth, isn't it? Just look at what that handful of disciples has done to, to change the world for the better over these centuries. My friends, if you're, set, if you're going to set out to, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth as Jesus called his disciples to do, then you've got to be committed to flying higher than the common contented duck is ever going to fly. Jesus said to James and John, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? In other words, are you willing to give your all as I am giving my all to see my kingdom established? And to their credit, they said, we are able. And they did. But first of all, they needed to understand the nature of true greatness. Jesus wanted them to be great people, but He had to teach them what it meant to be great people. Now notice what what happens next. When the other disciples heard about this conversation between Jesus and James and John, they, they got pretty upset with James and John. They, were, they felt that they were kind of trying to horn into this position of power there. And they thought, well, maybe, maybe we might be on the Jesus' left and right. I don't know. So. so Jesus called them all together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers and Gentiles of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority of them over them but you will not do that instead whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be made first whoever wants to be first must first of all be a slave to all For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. Did you catch what He said there? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Jesus was saying, it's fine if you want to be great. More power to you. But you need to understand what true greatness is. True greatness is about serving others. True greatness is about serving your community. True greatness is about serving your God. True greatness is about making your church the kind of church that reaches out to people who are lonely and forgotten. 
True greatness is about identifying with the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus was asking, are you ready to fly that high? Or are you content to just strut around the pen in the barnyard with the other ducks? Arthur Graham Greene tells about how he once waited for two and a half years for a 15-minute interview with the Roman Catholic mystic Padre Pio, who lived in a monastery in Italy. Padre Pio was reputed to be a living saint. He bore the, on his body the stigmata, the, the, the wounds of Christ, the signs of Christ's crucifixion on his own body. And on the day when Green was supposed to meet, finally, after two and a half years, he was supposed to meet with Padre Pio. He, had, he first attended the Mass where Padre Pio was officiating. And their appointment was to, to take place immediately after the Mass. But when the Mass was over, instead of keeping that much-awaited appointment, Green left the church. He headed to the airport and he flew back home. And when he was asked why he broke that appointment that he had waited for for over two and a half years, Green said, I was not ready for the manner in which that man could change my life. I wonder if that may be where many of us are today. I was not ready for the manner in which that man could change my life. We know that we lack the love and the compassion and the humble caring that Jesus embodied in his life. And we're thankful for the grace of God that covers this and all of our sins. But we're not certain if we want to take our faith that far. We think to ourselves, I'm not ready for the manner in which that man can change my life. And of course, by that, mean, by that man, I mean Jesus Christ. He wants to make something magnificent out of your life. And He will. If you let him. Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? Are you willing to give your all as I am giving my all, he says, to see my kingdom established? I hope that your heart and my heart are courageous enough to say, Lord, we are able. Our spirits are thine. Remold them. Make us like thee, divine. Thy guiding radiance above us shall be a beacon to God, to love, to loyalty. May that be. May that happen in all of our lives. May may we be great. May we accomplish miracles, miraculous things. In the name of Christ. Through serving. Amen. Our closing hymn, Oh, come to the altar. And true face will lead us through that. And um, and I hope in our own hearts that's what we are doing, that we will come to the altar and we will consider, am I really willing to make whatever sacrifices I need to make to allow Jesus to make the changes in our lives that need to be made? Am I willing to have that manner of of change that Jesus can bring to us. Let's consider that as we sing, O Come to the Altar.
for the gift of unity that the Spirit creates in our relationships. You place others in our lives and inspire us as Christians to work together with the gifts that we have been given. 
But forgive us when we want to be in control of things and grasp for credit. We confess that honoring you is not always at the forefront of our minds. Instead, we too often seek glory for ourselves. And so, in those parts of our hearts that harbor envy and ambition, we prayerfully ask for you to make room for humility. Together with your Spirit and with brothers and sisters working with us, we can accomplish great things for your kingdom. So bless our efforts, O God, to shed our pride and to truly be ambitious for your sake. Amen. Let's